So you've hosted a workshop or maybe a webinar. Prospects came, you, obviously being you, you totally crushed your presentation. People seemed interested. Maybe you even had a couple specifically come up to you and say, yes, please call us to set something up. We've been needing to do this for years. So you're like, yay, a warm lead. And then you follow up a couple of times, but to no avail. Now what? Today, I'm going to share with you a simple way that you can let a prospect know that you are done following up with them, that you're still interested in working with them, but you're not desperate, but you're here if they want to talk, but you're also over them and moving on, (laughs) but politely. And I know you know, if you've been in this business for more than a hot minute, you know exactly what I mean, right? How do we wrap up? How do we kind of gently let people know like, hey, this is it. We're done. We're kind of done following you. Um, We're done calling. We're not here to beg you to meet with us. And we still really liked you. You said our information, our presentation, our workshop, our webinar, whatever it was, was helpful to you and that you wanted to do something with it. So I am introducing to you what we called in my practice, the lost cause letter. This was an integral part of our follow-up process for years and years and years that undoubtedly drove results. This was often the one thing that moved a lead into an actual meeting. And I'm going to share the whole thing with you. So let's go. Okay, can we talk just for a second about how I have the world's greatest listeners? If you listen to this podcast, you can tell today I am sick. I missed, last week was the first week that I missed recording a podcast in the year plus that I have been doing this. And I was super bummed out, but I was so touched that so many listeners reached out and were like, oh my gosh, there wasn't an episode last week. Is everything okay? So you can tell from my voice, I am getting over what seems to be like the world's longest cold. And I don't know if anybody else has families that are struggling with this, but we have this lingering cold congestion cough thing happening here in Southern Ohio. That's no joke, like three weeks. So I've just finally got my voice back. So I apologize that I wasn't here last week. And for those of you that are new, welcome. This isn't what I normally sound like. And you're just going to have to bear with me a little bit today as we get through some, some coughs, some extra breaths, and some sniffles. But if you're new to the Efficient Advisor, welcome. I'm Libby Grywe, and I started, built, and sold by age 37 a 100% referral-only planning practice, and I grew it to seven figures as a solo advisor, all while working just three days a week and taking off 14 weeks a year to really be the mom that I wanted to be, to be the daughter, the wife, the sister, the friend, and all of the things. And frankly, I'm a travel-obsessed human who loved taking vacations. And I know you're here because you know it's possible to have energy left over for your family and still run your dream business. And you know what I'm talking about, that business that you are running instead of it running you. And I'm here to walk alongside you and to show you how to do exactly the same thing for yourself and to take immediate action on the most important strategies for scaling, organizing, and creating less stress and overwhelm in your business. So we're all about the tactical things here, the Efficient Advisor. And today's episode is exactly that. 
It's going to be short and sweet because I don't have a lot of voice, even though I've got a lot of tea and tissues happening here. Um, but this one's really effective, right? And one of the things that I love the most about coaching advisors and I love about sharing templates is that often it's the most simple solution. So some of you listening know that I went to school for engineering physics. That was my original major. And in engineering, and let's be honest, if your kids are Mark Rober fans, you'll hear him say this all the time too. But in engineering, we're always trying to solve for what is the simplest way to get something done? How do we reduce complexity? How do we make it simple? And if it were easy, what would it look like? And the beauty of this lost cause letter is that it's really simple. It's really easy. You can type it up today and add it to your nurture sequence, add it to your follow-up process, um, add it to your webinar process, whatever it is that you do and however it is that you you do your follow-up. This is something you can literally type up and have part of your process by the end of the day today. So I always love me a good quick win and that's exactly what today's episode is. Okay, so I wanna talk about follow-up really quick and this is not an episode on follow-up. I am going to do an episode soon on all of the most effective follow-up techniques But I do want to share this really quickly. So this is a statistic from a book called The One-Page Marketing Plan. And, you know, I thought this was fascinating. So what would you guess is the average number of times that a salesperson follows up with a lead? If you guessed once or twice, you'd be right. 50% of all salespeople give up after one single contact. 65% of people give up after two and a whopping 79.8% give up after just three shots. Imagine, you know, I like to think of this, like imagine if a farmer planted seeds and then really kind of only refused to water them more than once or twice. We're not talking about a big harvest if we're not willing to invest. So you can go back and listen to episode number 21, how to follow up without sounding desperate using a nurture sequence with my guest, Olivia Looper. She's a marketing expert for financial advisors. And that will really kind of lay out, well, what is a good nurture sequence? How do you add value? How do you follow up with clients without bugging them? Um, What's a way to do it kind of on autopilot digitally? So there is that. And this lost cause letter could be part of it. Or, you know, the way that we used this originally or initially in our practice was we did a lot of... um, kind of mid-career, I did a lot of live workshops where we would host a workshop on a specific topic, whether it was tax planning or retirement strategies or whatever. Um, And then we ultimately went into doing what we called our white glove referral events, which were a totally different breed of event kind of outside of the scope of today, but where we would do these really small, intimate referral events with our best clients. And either way, we'd meet clients, right? We'd meet prospects and they would listen to us talk, we'd interact with them, we'd, you know, break bread, do all the things and they'd be like, "Oh, we'd love yeah, we'd love to meet with you." And then you start your follow-up, right? You're like, "Okay, this is not just a prospect. This is not just a cold lead. This is a really, really warm lead. This is someone who has expressed interest in working with us." And you know, it never failed that we'd host a workshop and then we'd follow up and they'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, oh, now's not a great time. Call me back in a couple months. We'd call back in a couple of months. Oh, you know, now's not a great time either. Give me a call a month later. And sometimes you just wouldn't hear anything at all. And I remember always thinking, gosh, that's so fascinating. And what is the delicate way to wrap this up, right? Like, I don't want to be, 
um, this advisor, the salesperson that we're talking about here who gives up after the first, second, or third attempt, right? We want to be that person that goes the distance, waters the seeds, and really gets it done. However, and at some point, you got to cut your losses, right? We're not going to follow up with people for the next decade, actively making phone calls and trying to schedule an appointment. So this podcast episode, take this this idea of a lost cause letter and use it however you see fit. I certainly see how it could fit into a nurture sequence. I certainly see how it could fit into whatever other follow-up you know, system that you have going on. Now, however, if you're bringing people in through like a lead magnet into your ecosphere and they're following you and you're doing a drip or they're part of your marketing and they're just getting ongoing stuff, this isn't exactly the same thing. I'm talking about maybe a little bit more warm leads. So if you buy leads from something like Smart Asset or you're doing a webinar and people have like actively said like, ooh, I'm looking for a financial advisor or ooh, I actually want to work with you. What do you do when you get to that point of, okay, I'm not desperate to work with these people. I don't want to sound desperate and I'm kind of sick of them. I'm not going to keep following up. I don't want to just keep kicking the can down the road. This is kind of one of those like decide or get off the pot kind of things. So what we developed in our practice is what we called the lost cause letter. And essentially the way that we use this and the way that I coach advisors to use this is to pick a time frame, pick a certain number of contacts, um, figure out how it fits into the follow-up. And then at the end of the process, send this email, send this letter. We found it to be really effective to send this as a snail mail letter. And I'll tell you why. People open a handwritten envelope. It's a higher likelihood they're going to open a handwritten envelope than they're going to open an email. So the other piece I always struggled with in our practice was like, okay, well, especially if we're working with a couple, what happens if like wife signs up for our email list? It's her email that we have captured, but he's the one who's super interested or, you know, she seems to be the decision maker in the family and like moves stuff forward, but he's the one who we have contact information for. So I always liked sending a physical letter because I feel like and I don't know about you, maybe this is just my household, I would open something up and read it and either directly hand it to my husband or leave it on the desk or leave it on the counter for him to read. So I always felt like a snail mail letter was something that would hit both sets of eyes, more likely than an email. And you know, we've talked about this many times before as well, that we get so much email right now. It's so hard. Even stuff that I'm interested in, I just don't have enough time to read all of the newsletters, all of the drip marketing that I get from people that I'm actively interested in. So I think kind of sending a, you know, it used to be where we got all of the junk mail, right? And junk mail became so abundant that it was like a dread going to the mailbox because you just got rid of it. Well, now that's just all shifted to your inbox and you're just going through and clicking and deleting all the things. And, you know, if you're in the middle of a work day and an email comes in from this financial advisor that you went to a workshop at a couple of months ago, I don't know how likely you're going to open it compared to the handwritten envelope. So, you know, feel free to debate me, argue me there. It might be an unpopular opinion, but I think this lost cause letter, at least for us, did really, really well when we would send it in the snail mail. So basically here's what it is. It's a letter saying like, dear Jim and Jan, it was such a pleasure to host you at our event this last, you know, February. 
uh, maybe it was six months ago. So let's say it was such a pleasure to host you at our retirement income distribution workshop that we hosted this last July. Thank you so much for attending and we found hope you found value in it. And as I'm sure you'll appreciate, it's important for us to work with clients who are very serious about their financial planning. We've reached out to you several times in the last six months, 12 months, whatever your duration is that you're going to give give these clients before you send this. But we've reached out to you several times in the last six months to no avail. So we'll stop following up with you at this time. We would still love the opportunity to work with you. However, our time is valuable as is yours and we don't want to waste anyone's time and we really don't want to pester anybody, right? Um, so if you'd like to sit down with us to start working on your comprehensive plan, your financial analysis, whatever you call it, or just to see if we can help you maximize, you know, every dollar, whatever it is, your taxes, whatever it is that is your niche, your specialty, please don't hesitate to contact us at blah, 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 phone number, blah, 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 email. And that's really it. Sincerely, Libby Grywe. And we would pop that sucker in the mail at a set point. So this is, again, we're having a follow-up process is really important. You have to have a process. So somebody on your team makes these phone calls. You're making this phone call. I'm going to call it the one-week mark. I'm going to call it the one-month mark. I'm going to call it the two-month mark. We're going to send a letter in the third month. Maybe we'll send an email in the fourth month, whatever your follow-up process looks like. Then at whatever set duration, you mail out this letter. And here's what happened for us. I can't tell you how many times people got this letter in the mail and called us immediately and were like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed that it's been six months. I am so sorry. I know this is something we've been meaning to do. And I'm so glad you sent this because we need to get a move on. Um, Or, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you fought. Yes, we need to do this. We've been thinking about it. We've been on the fence. And it it was just something about this letter kind of saying like, hey, cool, we're done. Um, But we're still available to you if you'd like to meet with us, but we're also not desperate, right? So we're just going to stop following up with you. And the other interesting thing that happened multiple, multiple times too, is we would send out this letter and hear nothing. And then two years later, three years later, we'd hear from those clients and they'd say, Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I was at this workshop that you hosted at blah, blah, blah location. And, um, you know, I saved this letter that you sent me and I, you know, I, I know you stopped following up with me because we totally sucked and we just didn't get it together or we weren't ready or we knew we wanted to work with you, but we didn't have the resources or we were waiting to hear about some sort of job transition, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, here we are. Now we're ready to work with you. Are you still available? So there was something just about, I think for me, it was kind of like the finality of like the, and we're done. Um, we don't want to pester people. We don't want to annoy people into working with us. And we want to incentivize them to know like, Hey, it's been this long. I think often we just live in such a busy world in our environments. I, I know sometimes I look back and I'm like, Holy smokes, that was three months ago already. Like, Holy Holy Moses time is like flying. So often I think our prospects feel like, well, that wasn't that long ago. That wasn't a year ago. That wasn't six months ago. That wasn't nine months ago, whatever your duration is. So that's it. There's really not a lot of rocket science to this lost cause letter, which is great because I have paused this recording no less than 300 times to cough and hack into the microphone. So 
hopefully this isn't too dreadful for you to listen to. But I thought this would be a great episode to put out this week because it is short. It would save my voice. And it's something you can literally type up in, what, three minutes? Go back to the 10-minute marker and just copy what I said and make it your own. Put your own joie de vivre on it, your own language, and literally hand it over to your operations team, or if you are the operations team, add it to your process and say, you know what, I'm going to type up this letter and I'm going to send it out at this point in the process. And it just kind of gives you this permission to stop as well. So we want to be the, we want to be that, that person, you know, that they're referring to this, the salesperson that keeps contacting people that keeps following up, especially when people expressed an interest And we also want to give ourselves some permission to say like, at what point is enough enough? Like, okay, I've done this for how long? I've done this for this many times. So I hope the two things that you take away from this short episode are literally the language and the idea of a lost cause letter. And then two, this idea of having like, well, what is our actual follow-up process? Do we have a process that we follow or do we just have some sort of list, um, whether it's like it's in Salesforce or an Excel spreadsheet, I don't care. Um, Do we just have this random list of prospects that when the well runs dry or we start to kind of see a slowdown in business, we go to this list and just make phone calls? If that's you and that's how you're currently rolling, I would encourage you to sit down and say, nope, we're actually going to have a formal process. And in that, consider a communications audit, which when I say communications audit, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but that's really like, okay, how are we following up with people? And are we hitting people in multiple different ways? So like I mentioned earlier in the episode, right? Some people open emails religiously. Some people open snail mail religiously. Some people prefer to watch a video. Some people like a newsletter. Some people like a podcast. Is there a way for you to create your follow-up sequence or your nurture sequence and hit people in a couple of different ways? Also thinking through if you have a couple that you're working with, how do I get a hold of him versus her or her versus her, or him versus him, you know, whatever. Um, but how do I get hold of spouse A versus spouse B? And which one is more interested? Is there a way to get them? So I've been emailing spouse B. Maybe it's time to send a letter to the house so spouse A gets the letter. You know what I mean? So I hope this was helpful. I hope this was short, sweet, and to the point. And then it's something you would consider implementing in your practice pretty dang quickly. You know how I feel about not starting with a blank piece of paper and having to figure it all out and just taking something super simple and getting it implemented, not overthinking it and just adding it to the, to the process right away. So hopefully this is something you can implement in your business pretty quickly. And I would love to connect with you out in the efficient advisor community on Facebook. You guys, We have 1,200 advisors in there right now, and it is, I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited about the amount of just really like free sharing that is happening in there. Advisors are posting questions and advisors from all over the country, sometimes all over the world, are sharing like specific examples, links, resources. It's just kind of starting to turn into everything that I imagined it could be when we kind of kicked it off really last year. And I have some special plans for the Efficient Advisor community this year with special content. Um, I hope to do a couple of live 
um, kind of just live coaching sessions, uh, office hours, some sort of just way to start engaging with more of you guys and answering questions that arise out of the podcast. Now, of course, we're chatting in there about it anyways, posting about it. I'd love to see some uh, weekly threads happening regarding the content and people sharing like, hey, here's my thing and I created it and do you have any ideas? It's just been really cool. So if you're not part of the Efficient Advisor community, I'd love to have you join us. Head out to the Efficient Advisor community on Facebook or I'll have the link for you in the show notes as always. And I also hang out on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. It's one of my favorite platforms. And it's so funny to me because five, six years ago, I was never on LinkedIn. I think I had a profile and it was probably pretty crappy, but I have really just found that I love connecting with advisors over on LinkedIn. I love sharing content over on LinkedIn and I love sharing content of resources that I have found that are really, really helpful resources for advisors. So what I'm also working on is creating a resource page out on my website. So if you're an advisor and you're looking for someone who specializes in tax prep for statutory employees, or you're looking for a headhunter who specializes in finding licensed um, you know, support staff, or if you're looking for, I don't know, payroll service, like just having this giant list of resources that I have vetted, that I have um, either personally used or have advisors that use it, that I work with, that love it. And so anyway, long story short, like LinkedIn is one of the places that I jam out on that kind of stuff. Also, I'm excited to announce that our group coaching program is coming back. I don't have an exact start date for you guys, but I will let you know. Um, you can also hop on the wait list and I'll have that link in the show notes as well. But if you go head out to the coaching tab on the website, theefficientadvisor.com, you'll see a coaching tab and then you'll scale, scroll down to the systems to scale group coaching program and you can get on the wait list and you'll be among the first people to know when we finally have all of the details for the official start date of this next round. You guys are awesome. Go take some action and I will talk to you soon.